Hi everyone, welcome back to Let's Take a Moment and in today's episode we're going to take a look and have a discussion about changing our default way of thinking. Now if you're listening to a podcast like this, it's very likely that you have something in your life and I think we all do to a degree that we'd like to change and if you haven't, please do start a podcast telling us how you've got there Um, and we'll all listen to it, believe me. Uh, So we all have things that we'd like to change but what do we actually do to change them? Well, fundamentally, we all take an action at some point, um, or we don't. And if we don't, we continue to worry about it. And then eventually we we do something or or we have that negative reaction to what we deem as a failure. Now, what failure often is, well, it's one of two things. It's either an outcome or an acknowledgement that one didn't try because most failure comes from, from actually not doing anything. Um, <clears throat> so we have to challenge ourselves to do things in a different way. And that means changing our thinking, changing our perception of the narratives that we tell ourselves. And, and I've got that from Dave, who's we've been having some great discussions on email. Uh, Dave listens to a podcast. If you do want coaching, check out uh, The Restless Midlifer um, and look up Dave Algeo, A-L-G-E-O, I believe. And uh, he, he can help you out a lot in that area because he really knows his stuff. And he's put that, that word, that narrative word in my mind, and it's really powerful because... We all tell ourselves things. We all think things. And what we, we always do quite arrogantly is we always think, and I use that word arrogant deliberately, we all think quite arrogantly that we're right, that what we think is true because it's backed up usually by our own experiences, which does make it true to a point, but what it doesn't mean is that that's the only outcome that can happen. So, for example, in my life, one of the things that's always happened to me as I've got older is I've very slightly incrementally gained weight throughout my life. So as I've got older, I've got bigger. Now, I have to break that cycle in my mind that A, it actually happens, and B, I'm not that bothered by it because it's just what kind of happens to me as I get older. So I need to break that cycle of thinking. and, And if I can break that cycle of thinking and also acknowledge things about why I eat the way that I do, and I think it's to do with dopamine levels. I've been reading up on that. Um, and if you read about dopamine detox, I've got some quite interesting views on that, actually, which should be for a future podcast. But um, if you read a bit, I think that a lot of the reason that I eat the way I do is I'm looking for that dopamine hit. And one thing you get when you look at a, a big plate of food that's like full of stuff that you like, you get this rush, and that's, that's a dopamine hit. Now, I'm not saying that you can trick yourself by making a big plate of bad food, putting it to one side and then eating a salad. That's not going to, because I think there's an authenticity in there as well. And I've talked about that before, that there's a, it's not just about tricking your mind. It's about actually believing in what, what you're doing fully, like fully investing in it. There's no sort of tricks. I mean, I used to, to a degree, trick myself into, there's a diet, a certain type of diet that I can do where I don't quite realize that I'm not eating loads I have a little bit of everything that I like and enough that I'm not really, <clears throat> what's the word? I'm not overindulging. I'm, I've got a calorie deficit, but I'm still eating everything that, that I want to eat. Now, whether or not that's the, it's certainly the approach that works. Whether that's the best approach, I'm not sure. But just getting back to the, the thought process, because that's all actions and then review and change and, and optimization in terms of what you try to do. So there's always that underpinning of 
of flexibility. And that's, I guess, the starting point of this is that you've got to be flexible in what you think. Because, like I say, we all have a default thought process where we'll get up. If I just said to you, just live your day without really thinking, just mindlessly live it. There'll be certain things that, that you do that you'll just get up in the morning, you'll eat a certain breakfast, you might fire up your computer, you might check your emails, look at certain websites, do certain activities, um, ring somebody, you might go to the pub, you might watch television, play video games, um, <clears throat> you might write something or listen to a podcast, watch some YouTube, FaceTime your family and then have something to eat and go to bed. Now that's not necessarily a bad day, that sounds like a pretty good day to me. Um, and you've always got to appreciate and be grateful for the things that we have that allow us to not be absolutely miserable because there are people in the world who who live like that and we've got to be grateful for our own our own ability to have some choice in our life and that's important so you, but you know thinking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs again we need to be pushing the bar optimizing ourselves to make the most out of our time I look in the mirror I see myself getting older and I, and I realize that you know, I've got to act now in terms of, of getting rid of the things that make me feel not brilliant because I want, in the, in the time I have, and none of us know how long we have, is to enjoy the very best that I can, you know, because there are certain things that <clears throat> I can twist about my situation and say, I live alone, you know, I don't have dependence, it'd be nice to have a partner, etc. Now, I may or may not find those things in the future, but at the moment, that allows me certain freedoms that I would otherwise not have. And then I also have a thought process at the moment that's really thinking closely about money and about my relationship with wealth. Why is it that I want it? Why is it that I covet more or security? Is it just purely because I want choice in my life? I want to not have to work. I, you know, I want to get rid of the boss. I want to get rid of the responsibility, the requirement to work. But what, what, what would I do with the freedom? What would you do with your freedom? If you had ultimate freedom, what would you do? A lot of people just glibly say, I'd spend it. Um, but would you just go on one holiday after the other and lie in a sunbed? Or would you just spend all day in the gym? Would you... Now, would, you know... And, and this is the thing, is that there's also what comes with it in any sort of wealth. And I'm getting off on a slight tangent here, but it does. it's about thinking, so it's relevant. Is that I've mentioned before in a previous podcast, and I'm going to stop saying that by the way because I always repeat things, so I'm just going to say them and not presume that you listen to every single one anyway. Um, there's a mindset that comes with freedom, and I I always use an interesting. It's always a thought to me, and I'm conscious of this, and it always it confuses me and fascinates me in equal measure. In that, if you said to me, "Here's a million pounds, Malcolm, take it," now. If I spend that million pounds, I may have a nice house to show for it and and whatever. But once I spend it, I lose the feeling of having it. But if I have it, I can't spend it. So if I can't spend it, what's the difference between having it and not having it? And therefore, if I'm secure in life generally, can't I therefore then have the mindset of a million pounds because it's not there, because I wouldn't spend it anyway. So I hope you know, you kind of catch what um, I've said there, probably as articulately as I probably can, in terms of there's nothing to actually stop us having the mindset of someone who's doing very well and having the confidence without kidding ourselves, but just being able to enjoy 
what security we do have. Um, because one of the things about wealth that confuses me a lot is I'm always, I have it in my mind that if I had, if I owned a company, I'd, I'd want to have, a, you know, a large sum of money in my bank account, which was tangible. I could see it. It was real. And in theory, I could spend it. So the mindset would, there would be at that point, I've got money and I'm okay. I wouldn't spend it necessarily. In fact, I probably wouldn't. I'd not even necessarily buy a bigger house or a bigger car. I would just be glad that it was there and I would feel successful off the back of it. Now, obviously, I'm then, you know, instantly falling into a, a, a trap that I think I could be called out on that said, well, why don't you feel like that without the money? And therefore, that's the problem. It's not having the money that's the problem. It's that you feel inadequate, etc. without it. Now, I've always had a confusion there that, that, and I think other people have as well, is that if I'm confident without a tangible reason to be so, so for example, if I have body confidence when I'm massively overweight or if I have um, confidence about my job when I'm actually quite a low-level job and I've never really earned that much money, at what point do I move from self-worth to self-delusion? And I think I've always had that concern um, that I'm... In my mind, at least, I justify negative uh, narratives about myself by saying that they're actually quite justified in terms of what I've achieved or not not achieved in, in, in my life. And I think that's probably a cop-out, <laughs> if I'm honest. So we have to challenge our, our default thinking processes and really analyse why we want things. So some of the challenges for me, for example, now is to... And I don't know how I'm going to write this out because I'm... <clears throat> my job... It's death by spreadsheet. There's a million action grids and a million, you know, plans and all sorts of that. And I kind of get sick of writing out Word docs with timelines on it and all that. So <clears throat> even if you just think about this in your head, it's better than nothing. Um, but I do think that it's an important step that you have to start to think about what what can you do to change your default thinking? What is your default thinking? What could it be? What's what's the absolute opposite of your default thinking? Like, that's probably one good thing to do, is just to say, well, this is how I think about myself. So, what's the absolute opposite? In terms of myself, it would be, how confident could I possibly be about myself, and how would that make me act? I'm probably not going to act that way, but it would be interesting to spend one day being the complete opposite of what I normally do, just walking around saying, I am the bollocks, and you all should love me for that. It would be quite a change from the way I walk around normally and it would highlight the maybe some of the problems. So sometimes when you rotate things around, I'm not sure if I said the term enough, but cognitive rotation is one of my little concepts that I've come up with over the years and I should really write it all down. Sometimes if you flip things over completely, just completely do a 180, things are a lot clearer and you can actually learn a lot about the way you normally think by just thinking what's the extreme opposite. Um, and I've done that before a few times and thought, hmm, yeah. So, and another thing that I'm doing as a tip while I'm on is I'm being really harsh about the activities that I do and why I do them. I'm really going into an analysis about everything. Like, I play Virtual Pool 4, and it's a game on the computer, and I'm very good at it. And I was talked to a friend of mine who's like a, a really into his pool, and I used to be many years ago because I was good at it. Um, but I gradually, you know, it cost a lot of money to play and I didn't in, in the end want to be on a on the professional pool tour 
as a jobber, basically, because I wasn't good enough to beat the best players, spending, you know, four or five grand a year, travelling around, playing in tournaments, just so I could turn around to somebody and say, I'm a pro pro player. And that was really what I was doing, you know, I was kind of building a, a sort of self-worth, a, something for people to be impressed by me. And to be fair, when, when I was young, people were impressed by me playing because I was a good player and I liked that, you know, I liked the fact that people looked up to me and when I was in, when I practised in the pool hall, when I was about 18, people would come and watch on occasion and say, bye, you're a cracking player and yeah, it was nice to hear, you know, it was people looking up to you and stuff is never, never a bad thing. There is a certain um, enjoyment that comes with it and I'll be lying if I said otherwise. But then I've, I sat back the other day and I was playing in this online tournament against a good player and it was a race to 13, it was black ball, which is the reds and yellows pool, the other player in the pub. And I just didn't want to play. Like I'd kind of been coerced a little bit by a friend of mine you know when you talk to someone who's enthusiastic about something they can kind of pull you in like their enthusiasm for a uh, uh, passion and I have friends who are very into chess and I have friends who are very into poker and I have friends and every time I talk to them I get a, like it's a little bit of that sort of manifests itself into me and I start thinking yeah I'll have a game and the reality is I'm not really into any of those things um, I like them but I'm not super passionate about any of them and um, I was just sitting there and I ended this tournament because I was chatting away to these friends who were like, oh, yeah, join, you're really good and all this, and I fell for it. And I sat in this game and I thought, you know what, I don't want to play. So I forfeited the game. Now, I know you might think, oh, that's bad, you quit. Well, and, and everyone was like, oh, you can't quit, and that's really bad, and I'll probably get, I'll probably get banned from playing in the next one, but I'm not going to play in it anyway. Um, didn't lose any money or anything, but I was just sitting there thinking, like, I'm sitting at my computer on a, on a Thursday night, long weekend ahead of me and I'm I'm genuinely miserable like I don't want to play and you know I just that it just suddenly dawned on me I thought what the hell am I doing here why why am I playing something that I don't want to play why am I doing something that I don't want to do and there's no reason for me to do it because let's be honest when it comes to work we can't just like randomly quit our job I mean we can there's a choice there but you have to think about consequences and does it make your life particularly worse? And if you have enough money where you don't have to work, then why are you working anyway? Um, so it's kind of like I work because I need to generate income and by generating income, the stresses of not having money aren't applicable to me. So I'm that's why I work. Okay, I find it interesting. I have something to do during the day. There's various benefits, but the, the pros and the cons come together that basically I get, a, I get paid. We had this um, work training thing. And and I'll just backtrack slightly for a second. Honesty, big part of it as well. You know, people never say, it's brilliant when you're in a workplace. And our workplace does have an ele- element of evangelism in it in some ways. I think a genuine one, well-intended. It's not in any way fake. They want people to like who they work with and like what they're doing and all that. And well-being is important. And, and I'm not saying that's not a genuine aspiration for the company or something that's important to them, because it really is. However, there's a an element of a fundamental truth, if, if you like, when you put into the, the chat box of a training session saying, well, why, why do we work? Now, I would ask that question if I was the manager or the owner of the business, saying... Apart from the need to earn a living, why do we work? Because in my opinion, that's fundamentally true. Some people, some people would 
work even if they have money. So you hear about the the millionaire who wins whatever. Oh, sorry, the, the the lottery player who wins many millions and says, "I'm still going back to work because I I love what I do and I love the people I work with and and etc. etc." I get the point. Now, unfortunately for them, they'll lose the kinship of, of, of the struggle because they're going to go into work and when people are talking about, oh, God, it's an pay day, they're going to instantly turn around to them and say, well, it doesn't matter to you, does it? Um, so it's never going to be the same, but that's a totally different point. Uh, but to me, work fundamentally it is, apart from the need to make a living, because that's just, for me, the fundamental reason you're there. But you should still enjoy it. You should still find purpose and, and you know, enjoyment from your work because the alternative is that you hate it and your life gets really bad etc etc but when people ask those questions and nobody mentions money to me i just find that a little bit a little bit fake um or a little bit not dishonest but just uh you, you know like if the boss turned around and said well nobody's mentioned money so clearly wages aren't that important to you so i'll drop everyone's pay by 20 percent to safeguard the company's future that's also important to you suddenly everyone would have a problem with that and like i say fundamental truths and maybe that's me being too obvious. Maybe everybody knows that and it's kind of a, a given without an unspoken truth, I guess. But yeah, to me, it's kind of, if you don't say it, yeah, okay. Some people don't notice it. It's not important. I think it's the point that I'm trying to make. But my, that might just be my sort of weird perception on it. So yeah, challenging our default thinking is really, really important because, like I say, today and during this, this break that I've got, I'm going to do things that are quite sort of obvious that I would normally do. What I have to do is more exercise, better diet. That's my main focus at the moment because my professional life's just ticking over the way it needs to. I've got other things that I'm doing in terms of, of, of re-analyzing myself and analyzing my narrative. It's all part of that and that's an exciting process because it's something that I love to do and I think if I do it right for myself in the future when I will eventually set up some sort of coaching offer um where i can talk to to companies and i think i might i see myself as a sort of a very honest speaker so i would say in my coaching for example to businesses aside from the need to make a living you know what's the important the missions of the company like what do you all want to do but i would start from an honest position i would say look you know money is important we're not here to talk about wages we're here to talk about well-being um but we are aware that that's an issue because you know Money is fantastic for taking the shine off being poor. Once you take the shine off being poor, it's it's less important. Um, and I covered earlier just a little point that I'm going to have to go back to, and I apologise for doing a Billy Connolly and missing it for ages. I mentioned how I like to see money in my bank. If I just had assets that were worth something, so I had a business, for example, with very little money, that would feel really weird to me. I'd be like, well, I want the, you know, I'm after that. And that's a narrative I talk to myself as well. So if I've got a bit, if I had a company that was worth ten million pounds, but I only had a small wage coming in, I would feel like I was poor. Well, obviously I wouldn't be if I had that asset, and I'd be looking to initially for the first business, sell that company, to get that money in my hand. Now that's that's not a necessarily that's my default thinking. Other people would strut around and say, "I'm a multi-millionaire. Look at me." I wouldn't say that unless I actually had the money. So that that's a. That's a narrative that I give to myself. That's a, you know, that type of thing. So, um, so yeah. So so basically, that I'm gonna I'm gonna end it there, and I'm gonna say that, um, you know, let's work on it. <laughs> I'm gonna talk more about it in the future, and 
we will speak to you all on a future episode of Let's Take a Moment. And until then, bye for now. Bye.